Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. We are on to the divisional round, and we have got some big spreads to break down. With me to tackle it all is Larry Hartstein, a senior analyst for Sportsline. Larry's one of the more accurate sports bettors in the game. He is 55 and 36 against the spread this year, a pretty remarkable number. And last year, he went 61 and 47 on all his picks. You can find him on Twitter at Larry Hartstein. Larry, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, glad to be here, Dan. So, can I assume then that you had a clean sweep last week in that crazy wild card round, or what? You know, I, I only liked one game each day, and the first day went went beautifully with the Titans plus the points. Uh, almost never in doubt, although we needed that goal line stand to kind of shift the momentum at the end of the second quarter. But then I was on the Eagles like it seemed like every professional in the world was on the Eagles and the entire public was on the Seahawks. And then you know what happened. Yeah, you know, fade the public is always the the common refrain that everybody uses, but it doesn't always work. I mean, the public wins, you know, that that's what's going to happen. Obviously, you can't foresee the Carson Wentz injury. And I assume that you think that if Wentz were able to make it through that game healthy, that the Eagles would have pulled it out, correct? I don't know, because McCown played a lot better than expected. I mean, I'm still re-watching that play on fourth and four, fourth and three, where the running back has it in the flat, has a clear first down and just drops it. Um yeah, you know, I would love to say it was all Wentz, but, um, you, know, I, you know, that's how it goes in this business, as you know. Yeah, the Seahawks also have been basically model busters all year long. They just find a way to win these games, even though they're not a particularly good team. That's the one spread this weekend, which we'll talk about in a bit, that is not particularly big. It's one of the closer ones, so we'll get there as we get into it. Uh, look, Larry and I are going to be getting into the odds for the four divisional games. We're also going to be talking about a couple of futures that we might like, but let's dive into it right here with the first game of the week. That's the Vikings at the 49ers. The Niners are laying six and a half right now. I saw it open at seven, so it's down just a tad, and the total at 44 and a half. The Vikings come up with a huge upset, huge win for sports books. I'm sure a lot of parlays uh, or teasers like the one that I had. Uh, got blown up there when the Saints losing. Uh, their two big injured players, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, they come up huge. They dominate the time of possession, 37 minutes overall. The defense plays well. They get a ton of pressure on Breeze. So overall, other than trying to give the game away at the very end, they pretty well dominated that. Meanwhile, the Niners are fully rested. They can get to the quarterback. They can run the ball. They're creative on offense. They're getting healthy. Sounds like now Quan Alexander may return here. I feel like the public might be a little excited about the Vikings after that big win, but what do you think here with the opener at Niners laying 6.5 with the total at 44.5? You kind of sketched it out how on the surface your first instinct is, yeah, this Vikings team can play with anyone when Cook is healthy, Thielen's healthy. They ran the ball 40 times, really controlled the game for the most part, and and I have noted, you know, repeatedly that people have just hammered this Viking secondary all year. But if you look at the last seven games, only six touchdown passes allowed, only one 300-yard passer. And that was Phillip Rivers, who had 307 in a blowout loss. So they have played a lot better down the stretch. All of that said, I think when you take a step back, like you said, and look at the health on the 49ers uh, defense with D Ford coming back, six and a half sacks. You got Nick Bosa, you got all the other rushers. And remember what the Vikings O line looked like against the Packers. I mean, that was a meaningful game at home. They couldn't block him at all. And this defensive front of the 49ers is more athletic than the Packers pass rush. So to me, 
that's what gives me hesitation as opposed to just grabbing the points with Minnesota. Yeah, I don't love this for Minnesota. Under a touchdown, I lean towards the Vikings. It certainly seems like a game which I would love to do a teaser with and tease the Niners down to basically a pick'em game because it's hard for me to see them losing it. I said the same thing last week where the Saints at giving one and a half were part of uh, one of my better bets for the teasers. So you never know, of course. But yeah, I think the problem with the Vikings, they have a an offensive line, they're a good run-blocking offensive line, but they're really not a great pass-blocking offensive line. I think they're really going to struggle to keep Cousins upright uh, against the 49ers. Do you expect this line to roughly stay where it is? Do you think it's going to get past the key number of seven? Do you see it trending down? How do you see it uh, unfolding as the week goes on? I think it's going to be one of these things where you may see it back and forth between seven and six and six and a half, but I think it's going to close under a touchdown. I, I don't think it any chance it would go over a touchdown unless there's some, you know, significant Vikings injury news. I mean, how is Thielen got he looked finally healthy. I mean, that was that was the Adam Thielen we know and love and and what a great catch, you know, to to get down to the three yard line there. Uh, but how's he gonna react on a short week uh traveling? You know, is he gonna be able to play the way he did and also Cook, you know, seemed to go unscathed, but uh, he's been dealing with injuries. So that kind of concerns me for the Vikes. But no, I think it's gonna stay right in that six and a half. Yeah, I agree. I don't see it getting past the key number of seven, but you did call it. They were able to get two of their huge playmakers healthy, and it made all the difference. Thielen played great. Cook played great. And again, as you said, they got out of the game unscathed. So it is going to make a big difference. The one thing I'm going to talk about, I have never liked, I'm sure you don't as somebody who specializes in this, the, the narratives about how Kirk Cousins, you know, can't play in prime time and everybody knew about his record on Monday Night Football and everything like that. I don't never bought into any of that. I was glad to see him kind of put it to rest. The one thing is, though, he is not nearly as good a quarterback outdoors, which I'm sure you could say for a lot of people. But generally speaking, his passer rating and his career is roughly 20 points less outdoors than it is indoors. They're going to be a big home field advantage for the Niners. So, again, if I'm going one way or another at this point, I lean towards the Niners laying six and a half. I don't think there's any rush to bet it for the reasons that you said, because I don't think that it's going to get up to seven. But as of right now, I like them. My guess is by the time I'm making my actual bets that I'm going to tease them down here to more like half a point, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's move on to our next game, Titans at the Ravens. Ravens laying nine. This is trending downward a little bit. I saw it at 10 at some places when we first opened. It was nine and a half when I looked earlier this morning, but down to nine. The total has also dropped a point. It was at 48. It's now at 47. Look, the Titans make the vast majority of people outside of New England happy by knocking off the Patriots. They also make uh, one of the people on these podcasts who is in New England happy by knocking off the Patriots. Uh, Derrick Henry rushes for 182 yards absolutely dominant performance on his birthday. Ryan Tannehill threw for just 72 yards. I, I feel like that got lost a little bit. Everybody was so down on the Patriots as I was talking about that today with everybody who I live around, and they were so down on the Patriots defense for letting Henry run over them, but you know, in the end, they held Tannehill to just 72 yards. It's hard to be that disappointed in them. He's going to need more than that, though, to beat a Ravens team that has just been completely dominant for several months at this point. Mark Ingram is a question mark. They are still reportedly optimistic about him being able to return for this game, but they are signing these running backs to quote-unquote go on their practice squad, but it makes me a little worried about his status coming in, but their defense is strong. Lamar Jackson is incredible. This is also the third straight road game for the Titans. You got to feel like they're getting a little uh, weary here, but Ravens laying nine, that's a big number, and the total at 47. How do you feel? You know, you started with Derrick Henry, and he's the guy. 66 carries the past two weeks. I mean, I know they wanted to get him the record uh, the week before, but 
you know, give this guy a little bit. I just, I think at some point it's, he's going to run out of gas. And this is a good Ravens run defense, much better than the Patriots, you know, 94 yards rushing allowed uh, per game. Of course, teams do get behind and have to throw and you know, the temptation is the Titans. I mean, they they're eight and three with Tannehill. They have out even those three losses. They outgain their opponents. The yards per attempt with Tannehill is through the roof up until this past week. Um, but I just don't see the Titans slowing down the Ravens at all. They're 17th in DVOA defensively. The Patriots had over 300 yards. I mean, the goal line stand first to goal at the one. They couldn't put it in. And I just I love Tennessee so much, but I just don't see how they're going to stop Baltimore at all. So, I mean, right now for me, it's uh, it's the Ravens or nothing. At, you know, the one thing you want to make a case for them, of course, it's that where their defense is strong is against the run, right? That's that's kind of where they excel to the extent that it is. And that's what you need to do to be able to stop the Ravens. And that's especially true if Mark Ingram is out in this game. I mean, Gus Edwards certainly has been serviceable when he's in there. They've got Justice Hill who's going to add a little bit of a dynamic. But really, in the end, I agree with you. It, it Especially, you know, I don't think the Titans are built to put up a ton of points. And that's especially true against the Ravens defense, which, you know, in the preseason, I don't know how you felt about this. Coming into the season, I was not on the Ravens, putting aside that obviously I could not foresee what they were going to be turned into on offense, but I was concerned about their defense. I, I really didn't think that they were going to be able to perform to the level that they are currently performing at, and they weren't for the first half of the season. But really, once Brandon Williams got healthy, their run defense got stronger, and their pass defense, their secondary is very good. But they still are a little bit beatable on the ground, right? I mean, Henry, for as big a load as he's seen, he doesn't look to be slowing down. So you know they're going to try to control the game on the ground as much as possible. My feeling, though, is, and this goes along with what you said, it's really difficult. You know the Ravens are going to score points no matter what. This is just what they do. It's really difficult to see the Titans being able to put up the type of points that you're going to need to to match them because they just don't have, you know, as as efficient as Ryan Tannehill has been, he doesn't have the goods really to, to get them to come back for all that. So out of curiosity, what do you think about the total here? Because for me, it's a little difficult because both teams are going to run so much, right? And they're going to run heavily. So the clock is going to keep running. And so that leans towards the under, but it kind of just feels like the Ravens are going to arrested Ravens team, regardless of Ingram is going to put up like 35 points and smash the over. I don't know. That's just kind of the, a gut feel I get. How about you? Yeah, my first lean would be the over, even though the Ravens have been amazing on defense since the loss to Cleveland. I mean, they at one point they had a 10-week stretch where they were the number one defense in the NFL. Uh, weren't as dominant the last, uh, you know, the, the last week or so, but last couple of weeks. But yeah, I would lean over. These are the two best red zone teams in the in the league. I mean, one and two, the 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 Titans score like 70% and the the Ravens not far behind. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Baltimore getting way up, forcing the Titans to throw, throw, throw. And, uh, you know, 31-21, something like that, 35-24. I think it's over. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. That's that's what I'm saying. And I just, again, it's real. A spread this big makes me nervous. Okay, I mean, it's, it's below double digits, so that's fine. Anything, when you get to double digits, I immediately essentially have to talk myself out of taking the dog because I just love getting that many points. It's a lot of points here. It, it's kind of tough, but I could just so easily see the Ravens just completely smashing this team because they are that good and they have looked that good. So it is something where your early lean is towards the Ravens. I 
lean towards the Ravens as well, but I'm not quite as confident in it. But the over-under, we are both leaning, and it's trending down. So there may be some money coming in on the under, but I think both of us think there are going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So we lean towards the over, at least as it sits right now, at 47. So the Ravens are really, really good, but they're not quite as good as BetMGM, which not only allows you to bet from your phone with the BetMGM Sports app, but also which basically gives you bets that are essentially like guaranteed money. Here's what you need to do. Search for the BetMGM Sports app in your app store, download it, and sign up for an account. And when you sign up, use our promo code HARRIS, because if you do, you're going to get an offer you can't refuse. Uh, Sorry, that sounds like you're going to wake up with like a horse's head in your bed, but it's actually just literally such a good offer that you cannot refuse it. We've been talking about the NFL all season. We're talking about it on this podcast. But that season's winding down, so think about doing a little betting on something like, I don't know, basketball, like tomorrow when the Knicks take on the Lakers. Bet $1 on the money line for either team to win, and when you do, you win a dollar in free bets for every point scored in the game, regardless of the outcome. So you get that? You win a dollar in free bets for every point scored in the game. It doesn't matter which way you bet. It doesn't matter if the team you bet on wins or loses. That's a couple hundred dollars in free bets. See, that is an offer you cannot refuse, for real. And this is not an anomaly. These offers are not rare. Sign up, use our promo code HARRIS, and you'll see what I'm talking about. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Larry, let's move on to our next game, the Texans at the Chiefs. The Chiefs here are laying 9.5. This is a line that has been trending up steadily since it opened, and the total is at 50, which has also trended up a little bit. The Texans escape against the Bills in a game they really had no business winning. They looked dead in the water at halftime. Deshaun Watson can do some really, really good things when they finally take the reins off him. They really need Will Fuller to come back, though. He stretches the field. He really opens up the offense. He's Obviously going to be a question mark right now for this game, but he is trending in the right direction from all the reports. J.J. Watt comes back. He actually does contribute here. I thought he was just going to be somebody who got the crowd and played a few snaps and got into it, but without really making an impact, but he does. The defense continues to play fine, but they're certainly beatable. Meanwhile, the Chiefs look more like the Chiefs of old. They're playing extremely well now, 6-0 and to close out the season. Damian Williams is the one running back that can get stuff done on that team, and he is healthy. Patrick Mahomes looks healthy and is playing as good as he has. And the defense has quietly played much better down the stretch. This is a rematch. Remember, the Texans came in here. They beat this team 31-24 back in week six. So there is that that they can hang their hat on. But how do you feel here, Chiefs at home, after the bye, laying nine and a half with the total at 50? Wow, I have a million thoughts on this game. I'm not going to give you all of them. But first, we can throw out the week six, 31-24. Just throw it out. The Chiefs actually averaged 6.6 yards per play, and the Texans only averaged 5.7 yards per play. They actually just had a ton more plays because some fluky things happened in that game, if you recall. And look who didn't play for the Chiefs then. Sammy Watkins, Eric Fisher, Andrew Wiley, Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens. They're all going to be ba- all going to be back uh, for this game. So that... I can really almost just throw out that game. And you mentioned Will Fuller. I mean, nine catches of 30 yards or more. If he doesn't come back, uh, Deshaun Watson's passer rating goes down by 20 points. Uh, They need Fuller out there. Like you said, the Chiefs did lose one safety. But otherwise, 
they are really, really healthy. And like you said, closing 6-0, and I wasn't so disturbed the way they did not stomp the Chargers in the final week. I mean, that's a division foe, and they still covered. They still won by 10. But the five previous games, the defense was totally lights out. And look at the coaching mismatch. I don't think there could be a bigger coaching mismatch with time to prepare than Reed versus O'Brien. So, yeah, I totally get this line trending upward. Yeah, it's, man, <laughs> all right. There, I, I also have a bunch of thoughts on it. You mentioned Reed, of course. Everybody knows his record coming off a bye in the regular season, so you have to factor that in. Something that, you know, I'm sure will, you know, you're going to hear every angle on this game as the week goes on, but one of the things I think about is Arrowhead for years had always been this really, really, really difficult place to play. It still is. And one of the things that I think you might see here, especially, you know, the Texans are coming off, uh, a big game against the Bills where they really fought it out. They're probably a little tired. You've got the Chiefs coming off the bye. That place is going to be insane. I was looking at this earlier today. The average false start penalties for a team for the entire year was 17.38. That is what the average NFL team averaged in false start penalties this year. The Texans had 32 false starts, nearly double what the average team was. They lost 159 yards on those penalties. The next closest was Buffalo, and that was at 26. They're not even in the same vicinity. So you've got a a team that has tons of problems false starting, and you're in Arrowhead right now where the place is going to be insane. I think you're going to be – you can't – the Chiefs are going to score a ton of points in this game. The Texans are going to have to be able to keep up with them. And I think this, you know, the fact that they're so penalized coming in is really going to hurt them offensively. I think that it's going to push them back. But you mentioned it. I mentioned it. Will Fuller has to come back here. If he doesn't come back, I don't see any chance that the Texans are going to be able to keep this game close. I think he completely opens up the field, and I think it helps Watson be able to get the ball to everybody and you know in really the way to beat the Chiefs and I know you mentioned it how the Texans beat them earlier and you're throwing that game out is the way to beat the Chiefs really is to try to do it on the ground and to try to control the clock and to try to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field but I just don't think the Texans have the offense to do that Carlos Hyde has had a nice season Duke Johnson can chip in but they're not a team that just you know runs the ball constantly and controls the clock. That's not really how they're built. So for me, I kind of like uh, the Chiefs even at the big number right now. And out of curiosity, the total, what do you, it's 50 right now. I mean, that that's a big number at this point. I still think that this is going over as well. Even though, look, my general lean, sorry, I know I'm just, as you said, there's a million things we could talk about with this game. My general lean is towards the under. I think, you know, the public generally likes the over. So these lines are kind of built when you can pick your spots to go in for the under. But with this one, I don't know. It just feels like a ton of points are going to be scored here and I kind of lean towards the over despite the Chiefs improving defense what do you think well you that's an unbelievable stat you gave about the false starts uh, I may use that myself but I will I will credit you um the thing I, my first look would be the over but then you look at the Chiefs have have really been on an under trend especially at home the one thing, though, is Mahomes is healthy. I mean, he wasn't even healthy in that first game. He was hobbling around. He managed to throw for 273 and three touchdowns, but he got picked. I mean, this is going to be a much more efficient Chiefs offense than we saw that first time, and they're getting into the 30s. I mean, I think the question is, you know, are the Texans going to get 20? That, you know, that's the part of the equation we have to wait for, and I think that comes down to Fuller. Yeah, I, but I, the one thing I will say is that when push comes to shove, you know, if 
that even if the Chiefs are way ahead, you know Watson's going to pull some craziness out of his hat yeah, at some point and, and rip off like an 80-yard touchdown. And the game may be out of reach at that point. But when I lean towards the over, that's part of what I think happened. And the one thing we haven't really talked about, by the way, is that, you know, when Damian Williams was out, Andy Reid just did not want to run the ball. He, you know, he didn't trust LaShawn McCoy. He wasn't active in a couple of games. Darwin Thompson wasn't going to done. They took Spencer Ware off the street, who looked like he was running in mud. Damian Williams, he did it last year in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. I think he completely opens up this offense even more. They're dynamic without it. But I think his presence now, being fully healthy, he's the one running back they really trust, and I think he really can do a lot of things. So that the Chiefs are going to put up a monstrous amount of points. And the reason why I kind of like the over is because it strikes me as a game where yeah you're right the Chiefs are going to break 30 I feel like pretty easily and you know I think they're going to win the game pretty handily and that's going to just lead to some sort of you know a quote-unquote backdoor over of 50 because I think that in the end they're going to sit back a little bit and Deshaun Watson's going to do some crazy things but either way we're both obviously very high in the Chiefs yeah one one more sorry to interrupt you there Uh, and and it's uh, funny with Damian Williams I mean that's why his fantasy stock was so high uh based on that late season run but in DVOA, which I know you respect as well, top 12, every team in the playoffs is in the top 12. The Texans are 23rd in weighted DVOA. So, I mean, they shouldn't be here. I mean, if, if the ref had made the right call on, on the kickoff and, and awarded either a touchdown or a safety and many, many other reasons why they shouldn't even be in this game, but they are in the game. Uh, I just think they're going to be outclassed. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And as someone who had the Bills on the money line, I uh, I agree with you that uh, it's unfortunate. They they really, the better team did not win that game, in my opinion. Let's move on to our final game of the week. The one with a spread that doesn't make your you know eyebrows go up. The Seahawks at the Packers. Packers are currently laying four with the total at 46 and a half. It, we talked about it a little bit briefly. It's hard to take too much from the Seahawks in their win over the Eagles since Carson Wentz went out so early. Although, again, you know, Josh McCown kept them in the game. Uh, other than that huge game for DK Metcalf, the Seahawks were relatively conservative overall. It looks like they're getting a little bit healthier here on the offensive line. Meanwhile, the Packers have been just this enigma all season where they have not looked overly impressive almost at any point in the beginning, they were relying a lot on their defense. Aaron Rodgers had a couple of big games, but nothing that really blew your socks off. Sometimes the running backs would go nuts, but you never felt like they were this number two seed in the NFC. But here they are. They have home field advantage. The Seahawks just went through a rough game. What do you think here with the Packers laying four at a dead number a little bit and the over-under at 46 and a half? Like you said, two teams that are not as good as their record. I mean, the Seahawks had a plus seven margin for the entire season that was their, and then they won by eight so that was bigger than their whole margin for this season the Packers were plus 60 something not overly impressive given their record like you said I'm worried about the Seahawks uh normally I would say you know two under you know two underwhelming teams Russell Wilson getting points just grab the points you know four points the Packers don't look capable of blowing anyone out they almost lost to the Lions uh the last week of the season when they needed the game uh, but you look at the Seahawks travel, and I just think, you know, that Sunday night game against the Niners, that was a very physical game. That was very intense. Then they travel cross country to Philly. Then they travel back and then they travel, you know, back to the Midwest. So I just wonder if, if they're going to be a little tired and, you know, and they can't run the ball at all. Marshawn Lynch, 2.27 yards per carry, 19 yards for the entire rushing attack, or at least for Lynch and the rookie homer. Uh, against Philly so you know a lot of things 
kind of point to Green Bay because of how unimpressed unimpressive Seattle has been, other than the fact they've got Russell Wilson and somehow they're eight and one on the road. Yeah, he's I say the Seahawks are a model buster. It's really Wilson. He's just incredible. Now they're probably gonna have some more success running the ball in this game. Philadelphia, that's the one thing that their defense can really do. They can stop the run. Not so with the Packers. They're better against the pass than they are with the run. But again, it's the difference in personnel. Chris Carson, as much as he had fumbling problems, is a legitimate NFL running back. He's solid. Rashad Penny, very solid. Travis Homer, I, I, you know, barely knew who he was before he had to get in there. And Marshawn Lynch, you know, it's it's fun. It's a good story, and he still runs angry, but he's nowhere near the caliber that those guys are. So they want to run the ball. So they're still going to try to do it in this game. I, I you know, it, it's a game where I look at the line, Packers laying four, and the same way at the Eagles. You looked at that line, and the Seahawks were favored initially before the line swung because all the money came in on the Eagles, and you just feel like the Seahawks can't win this game, and, and they can't keep this game even really all that close. But it's a tough thing to do to bet against Wilson in this spot. I, I feel like in the end, you know, we give our plays on Thursday, so I haven't had enough time to really dive into this. This strikes me as a game, again, where I'm going to want to tease it, but I'm going to want to tease it up and take probably the Seahawks getting 10 or something like that, depending on where it goes. Because I do think in the end, Wilson is capable of, of keeping the game close. I just It's really difficult to see them winning against a rested Packers team at home, you know, Lambeau Field is a tough place to play. And given all the travel, you mentioned it. They, they've been through some tough games, you know. I, it's hard for me to really get excited. How about the total out of curiosity? 46 and a half. That seems about right to me. I don't have a great lean on it. I would. My first lean would definitely be under uh, with how, you know, unimpressive each offense has been. Uh, one thing you've got to watch for is Brian Belaga. I mean, he is not cleared from his concussion yet. And, and Clowney is coming on. I mean, he made an impact. And if Balaga's not there, um, that's a big that's a big thing for for the Seahawks, um, you know, in in terms of keeping it close. But all of their games have been close, right? And um, so yeah, the teaser that you mentioned taking them up over you know double digits, uh, very attractive. Yeah, that's really where I'm leaning because they're never. I, it's really difficult to see them getting blown out, right? That's just not a thing. And I said the same thing with the Bills last week. As much as I expected the Bills to in the end win that game. Teasing them up from two and a half to eight and a half made me feel really confident because it just did not seem like there was any way that they were going to get completely blown out of that building. And again, even if the Seahawks go down, Wilson is able to make these miraculous throws and do things with his legs enough to keep it close. So I could see that one more as a backdoor cover. But that one's going to be a really interesting game because, again, the Seahawks just, you know, they're they're their sum is more than the total of their parts in in the end. And a lot of that comes down to Wilson. Before we finish up, I want to remind everyone about our giveaway. It's a signed Michael Thomas Saints helmet. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. If you've already entered a previous contest, do not worry. You are already entered for this one. Now that Thomas helmet, all of our signed helmets, they come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every single day. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And when you go there, use our promo code bettingpros and win a free $5 voucher instantly. All right, Larry, we have talked about all the games, so let's briefly give our thoughts on some of the futures for the Super Bowl. I'm going to give you the current betting pros odds, and you can tell me whether or not you like any of them 
at their price. The current Super Bowl odds for the teams remaining in the playoffs are the Ravens at plus 200, the heavy favorite, 49ers at plus 325, the Chiefs at plus 350, the Packers at plus 750, the Seahawks at plus 1200, the Vikings at plus 1400, and then you're going all the way down to the Texans at plus 2500, and the Titans at plus 3000. Do any of those strike your fancy at all? A little bit on the Chiefs. Uh, like you said, they're a different team. You know, 6-0 and down the stretch. Their defense is healthy. Mahomes is healthy. They're number three in DVOA, but the number two team was New Orleans. I mean, it's basically the Ravens and the Chiefs, I think, are the two best teams. Uh, so I think the only one that that's attractive to me is KC. Yeah, uh, KC is the one that I like at plus 350. The only other one, and this is bad because I just kind of got through talking bad about them, is the Packers at plus 750. Because, you know, I think we both expect them probably to be able to win this game. The 49ers, I assume, are going to be able to beat the Vikings. But, of course, you never know. Everybody thought that the Saints were going to beat the Vikings right now. If the Vikings have to go into Green Bay, I think we can safely say the Packers are probably going to be going to the Super Bowl. But I think they can go into San Francisco and win eight. I don't want to, you know, Aaron Rodgers being present, he's not the Aaron Rodgers of old, but he is still capable of making ridiculous throws. They have very good running backs. Their pass defense is good. Their run defense is okay and could get better. But at 750, it's the only other one I look at that says this could have a real shot of cashing. But I agree with you. The Chiefs, I, you know, I don't want to pick against Lamar Jackson and publicly or anything like that, but I kind of lean that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and uh, I'm kind of rooting for it as well. But I think that they are the one bet at plus 350 that I'd probably like as well. I got to say, with, with Aaron Rodgers, uh, sorry, to, sorry to interject oh, there. Yeah, apologize <laughs> you, Larry. Go ahead. All right. Well, I mean, last four games, 55.8% completions, yeah. 76 passer rating, six yards per attempt. I mean, it could not have looked worse down the stretch, but I also kind of feel like there is some magic there. We haven't seen it yet. I mean, maybe this team has been saving it for the postseason, but we've just been waiting for this offense to kind of come alive. And maybe with the with the rest and uh, maybe having home field and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking like it's got to be in there somewhere. And if you look at some of the games, even, you know, Matt LaFleur talked about this some of these passes are just like a yard off, a half yard off. Like the timing is that they have had chances to put up 30 plus and just have barely missed connections. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like you said, I would not rule it out. Well, there are two things that I think about when you say that. One is sort of like the Saints, what's really killing them a little bit is they don't really have a second option in the passing game other than Devontae Adams, right? And that was always kind of the Saints. They got Jared Cook involved, but really, who is... The Packers' number two wide receiver. Is it Alan Lazard? You know, is it Geronimo Allison? Is it Marquez Valdez-Scantling? You just haven't been able to find that guy all year long, so it's a little difficult to see him really doing something great. However, with that said, you mentioned fantasy. That's part of what I do. I uh, do a lot of fantasy rankings. There were two games, at least, maybe three, I guess, that we can talk about, that Aaron Rodgers, who was not a great fantasy quarterback on the year because he just he didn't have that great a year where he would just explode, right? He would just 
bomb out five or six touchdown passes. He would look explosive. And that's what you need. And that's still in there, as you said. It's still in his arm. He can still do it. We haven't seen the evidence of it lately. It might not manifest itself. But that's the reason why at plus 750, you could see if he goes on an old-school Aaron Rodgers run, you never know what's going to happen with this team. So I agree with you, though. Chiefs at plus 350, that's my favorite. If The only other one that I would even kind of think about is the Packers at plus 750. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Larry, thanks for coming on. You gave some great information. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Uh, Check me out on sportsline.com on Twitter at Larry Hartstein. And uh, Dan, I enjoyed it. Yeah, really great having you on. I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app. Use the promo code Harris. Place a $1 money line bet on the Lakers next either team and win a dollar in free bets for every point scored in the game. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed Michael Thomas helmet. We will be back later this week giving some of our best bets for the divisional round. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 